So Luke, I, I want to start today um, with a quote. And I tried long and hard to find the right quote to open up this. And I could not find it. So... <laughs> <laughs> the end. End of podcast. Yeah. Thanks for coming, everyone. Ever heard of a podcast where one of the hosts has no idea what's going on? Well, now you have. Welcome to Unprompted, the show where one of the hosts shows up completely unaware of the conversation topic for the episode. From technology to society to history, life, and more, each episode features a unique topic and the hosts unravel the details together using nothing but their background knowledge and past experiences. Hosted by Luke Bogus and Jared Arts, we hope you enjoy today's Unprompted conversation. Well, I think we're going to start. That's the starting sound. Uh... That's the start. Hello, sound. Luke. <laughs> hello, hello. We are back on a pretty. This is probably the most regular we've been so far. Granted, we we missed a week because um, of some yeah. personal hubbubs, but uh, the fact that it was it's we're at the same time two weeks later. Like that's we're getting there. That's slightly yeah. more consistent. We're we're taking baby steps towards consistency, and that's what you really want in life: baby steps towards your goal. And you know that's yes. what we're doing here. But uh, Luke had uh, you know messaged me today and he said that he had an announcement he made up a, a purchase and yes i i figured off the off the winds of your anticlimactic purchase last time well quasi purchase of <laughs> the next gen shitty laptop um or rather v2 like <laughs> warranty covered laptop I was thinking about my uh, the technology I use um, from a day to day, and one of the one of the areas of technology that I was interested in getting into more is gaming, um, and particularly based on the last episode's topic in the metaverse, I was like, what would it look like to purchase a VR gaming device? So I currently have in my possession an Oculus Quest Two, and it's been super fun so far. I huge Beat Saber guy. Huge Beat Saber guy. I um, that was like the one that I knew I was gonna like buy. The other ones, like I haven't really bought anything yet. I've just been doing a bunch of demos and like free games and like haven't done any of the like metaverse esque stuff. Like no social apps or anything like that. But um, so far so good. I I will say that like I can only do it for like thirty minutes and then like my eyes get tired because I'm just a baby, I guess. But it, you know, it's fun. It's like it's a lot more immersive than I thought. Like I thought I would have to like convince myself that it was like cool and in three, like VR and like, wow, I don't know where I am, but like legit, like the way it's able to map your environment and like notify you before you're running into something like you can put so much trust in that. So you literally don't have to worry about like where you are and it does look pretty 3d. So I don't know. I'm pretty impressed. It's fun. It's fun. When you come to Seattle, you'll have to, you'll have to give it a shot. Yeah. I think, I think I tried an Oculus quest. Uh, a couple of years ago, but I've never played Beat Saber and I've always wanted to. So mm. I, I'd be excited to try that, you know, bring back kind of the, the old, uh, guitar band esque oh, vibes yeah. and, but with a little bit more, uh, uh, workout vibe to it. And I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I, yeah, it's fun. The only thing that I haven't been good at so far is there's a couple games where like to move, you have to like use the joysticks on the controller. And so like, the first game I did it with, I like was like 
moving around on the joystick. So like in, in like the actual video game, you're moving, but like you're standing still. And I got motion sick like that. And I just had to take off the headsets and like sit for 15 minutes. Like it just wigged me out. So I hope there's not a whole lot of games like that to where like you are forced to move. Um, Cause there's like some game, like, I don't know, like I'm nervous about like some of the shooters and stuff where you like move around the map. Like, I'm not sure if like I will, <laughs> if I will be able to handle that or if as long as I just like sit down, maybe that's like good enough. I don't know. Hmm. But well, yeah, I'll have to give it a shot. That's a that's an exciting purchase. I think that uh, I think I won last week. I mean, I think I had a more, you know, more quality of life improvement on my end mm. with, with my you know surprise purchase. But I'm I'm excited to see it. I, I I've thought about getting a VR headset too, but I just haven't pulled the trigger. You know, only play. I'm a guy who plays one game and uh, <laughs> kind of satisfied with that. Wow, the old Age of Empires. Yep, huge Age of Empires guy. But uh, this week, uh, it's, it's my turn uh, to, to provide the topic. And, well, first uh, off, before, before you provide the topic, I think it might be good to just remind our listeners, maybe our, our, our newcomers to the, uh, to the series. We are in a season two. We didn't maybe introduce the premise of the podcast very well at the initiative of, of season two. So maybe to step back a little bit, what, what, what topic are you bringing and why? why like what... What ties our name of our episode together or the aim of our podcast series with what you're about to do? Perfect, perfect. Thank you, Luke, for, for introducing season two, which which is not labeled in any way on the podcast <laughs> as it says we're still on season one. So that'll continue. It's an un it's an it's an unofficial season two. But our our, our podcast name, if you made it this far without reading it, is unprompted. We're already figuring it out. <laughs> Essentially like one person today it's me brings a topic any any it could be anything it could be science history tech like 99 percent of the time it's history or tech because i like history and we both like tech but anyway yep. um you know it's it's bring some topic about anything uh and then we present that topic and then we just kind of talk about it for 40 minutes or an hour or something um we don't really do any research. We're just kind of giving our opinions, uh, giving our thoughts, presenting what we know. Uh, so it might be mildly in- interesting, um, sometimes exciting, you know, sometimes extremely interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a way for us to like put out what we're thinking, um, talk to each other on a semi quasi regular basis <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and just like learn things from each other. So, I mean, that's kind of the basis of the episode and, Last two weeks ago, I guess, uh, Luke brought the topic of Web3, and we disagreed on what that even means and, you know, <laughs> if it's good or not. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. And uh, this week, we're going to do something a little a little bit different, but kind of Ooh. kind of re- reckoning back to the end of episode, la- the last episode a little bit. So, yeah. Well, I'm excited. Thanks for thanks for the reminder, the rejog of the memory for all of those, you know, all the the thousands of new listeners that are being flooded into our um, anchor stream analytics. And by thousands, yeah, I, I mean, mean zeros. Many of zeros. <laughs> many of zeros. We don't know where the one's going to land, but uh, <laughs> but there will be there will be zeros. Um, so, Luke, I, I want to start today um, with a quote, and I tried long and hard to find the right quote to open up this and i could not find it so (laughs) (laughs) 
the end end of podcast <laughs> yeah. thanks for coming everyone uh, i had hope to you settle next time i had to settle from a quote from our good friend um which whose name i will definitely mispronounce you know because of course i was always on a first name basis with him as i'm sure you were too uh <laughs> constantine uh Tioskovis, uh, no, <laughs> Tioskovsky, Tioskovsky, yeah, uh, okay. Konstantin Tioskovsky, he, of course, Why of course, as, as you know, I'm sure, like, y- you might want to introduce who he is. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll let you go first, I, I don't want to okay. steal your thunder okay. here, that, that's yeah, totally I, I why I'm going to have you. That's true, that's true. Uh, so he was a, he was a pioneering, uh, Russian rocket science, uh, in, like, mm. the very early, uh, 1900s um, and he said in 1911 that uh, and this is the quote that I settled with um, is earth is the cradle of humanity but one cannot live in the cradle forever and so what what does what does that mean to you immediately you know immediately that tells me that It puts it puts into context a lot of the. Well, I'm already jumping to kind of the idea of us are, are morphing into a potential interplanet species, um, and this idea that to save humanity we need to have backup options, and it puts into light a lot of interesting Elon stuff. But I digress. Continue. That's interesting quote to start us off. Okay, you went down the perfect the path that I wanted you to go down. You know, a very rare occurrence in this podcast. We're headed in the right direction. <laughs> but um, essentially, what I want to talk about today is the idea of yeah, like leaving Earth, humans leaving Earth, whether that be colonizing low Earth orbit, colonizing the moon, colonizing Mars, or even like going further than that, like colonizing other stars um and i wanted i guess i wanted to like first gut check that that you would think of or that you feel like positive or negative like go about the topic or about the about about humans putting effort into colonizing space i think it is in today's current age or in today's current like progress, it is just so hard to fathom that we'll ever see that in our lifetime. And so therefore it just feels far fetched and feels not worth it. But at the same time, we just opened the show about me talking about my VR headset. If you would have told anyone in the 19 whatever's 60s, 70s, 80s, Grant, that's only 50 years ago that, oh, when we're, you know, in 2020, we're going to be pioneering virtual reality technology, like having handheld phones, my Apple Watch is, you know, more powerful than the computers at the time in the 1980s. Like that would have felt far-fetched and weird. So I want to check myself because I feel like that's how all innovation starts and that's how all like radical change starts as it feels irrational, far-fetched, and not true. Um, so my, my gut is to say, like, as it stands, the current progress, like, pretty negative. But I think the idea of the needs to invest in it, potentially, and obviously, per your quote, very positive. So you think it's a, it's a good thing to strive for that? 
I think it is good for us to have a backup plan given the current progression of the, (laughs) (laughs) of the health of our earth. Um, yeah, let's, let's start there. I, we can talk about the, uh, I don't know if you saw, uh, don't look up on Netflix. If you've watched that show, don't look up. Okay. Well, I I can tie it in later if it it gives (laughs) time, um, because it talks a little bit about colonizing other planets, but, um, continue. Okay. So essentially there's kind of this, this dual perspective on kind of this, this urge to colonize space. Uh, and, and we talked a little bit about it last week and where, you know, some people say, you know, why would you spend money exploring space, spend billions of dollars building these rockets and doing this and that um, when you could be investing that money on improving earth. And that's, this is kind of like the, this is like a classic argument of, you know, I'll use the example of colonizing Mars um, in this case, which is what for like Elon Musk is trying to do uh, using some of the resources of SpaceX's, you know, Mars is a really bad place to live. Like objectively, it is impossible for humans to survive there without like building us like spheres to live in. And so, you know, the argument goes against this type of colonization is like, no matter how bad Earth gets in terms of like climate change or this and that, it's still better than Mars in almost like any case, like because humans can survive without like a spacesuit. It's better than Mars. Um, And so why would you spend tens of hundreds of billions of dollars trying to send people over to Mars when you could just spend tens, hundreds of billions of dollars making earth a better place. Do you feel like that is a reasonable stance, a good stance to take a reasonable stance to take, um, in like this debate, or do you feel like regardless, we should, you know, still be spending that money, um, trying to push out, um, go somewhere else. Yeah. It's an interesting debate. And I feel like it's like a, that that methodology is not unique to finding new planets. I mean, this is controversial to some, but I think it's kind of a fact. It's like that's the same logic as why like why spend money building better prisons when you can actually spend money to solve the root cause of therapy, mental health, whatever, but like we still meant spend money on improving and building out the prison system, right? Like you like there's so many I think interesting case studies of why do we spend so much money on the vitamin or the antidote of problems and not actually the painkiller. Like why do we spend so much focusing on the effect, but not the cause? So that's, that's an interesting point though, that you bring up. It's like, it would be interesting to like, if you just spend that money. Yeah. Just like focusing on bettering the earth. But honestly, like also it's like, what does that even mean? Like, and that's another thing with Mars. Like, what does it even mean to like colonize? And I think like what it means now is like we as humans are just like, so enamored with finding novel so enamored with finding like new economic opportunity, like not to pivot or not to tie in last episode too much, but it's like there is hundreds of millions of dollars being made right now selling real estate in the metaverse. Like there people are building earth earths on Oculus and other platforms and like high octane, real estate companies are buying plots of virtual land 
in the space of millions for potential economic opportunity. So you also have to think, obviously there's still like a big science gap between us and potentially Mars, but the first to get there unlocks incredible economic opportunity. So it's like, it's interesting how everything at the end of the day is driven by economic opportunity. And I argue that the, like there's the upside of potentially unlocking a new colony like Mars is potentially more sexy than it is to just improve and fix earth by X percent. So it's like, like, I don't know, that's not an answer, but it's just like an observation. I'm, you brought up the topic. So I'm obviously very curious what your perspective on this is. Yeah. So I guess I'll give my perspective. You brought up something interesting that I'd like to wrap back around to. Um, so don't let me forget in the topic of like whoever's first has great economic uh, opportunity. So we'll wrap back around to that. But like, in terms of like my perspective on this is that I think like without a doubt, humanity should focus on expansion uh along with trying to better like earth itself and and the reason for that is simple and you mentioned it it's like economic opportunity not only does you're spending hundreds of billions of dollars you know in the hope of producing much more than that by unlocking new markets new opportunities um you know increasing technological advancement uh, advancing, you know, advancing like the opportunities for trading across, you know, great, you know, across the solar system, not only, you know, within earth. Uh, and I think that it, it just kind of goes to show that you you can put that money to work, um, in multiple places. You can still invest in earth, but you can, you're kind of diversifying your assets. Um, and, and also, you know, that extra economic opportunity has the potential though, not the, Um, for sure, you know, guarantee of helping provide, you know, better lives for people on earth. Because like, the truth is like, we are, the population is still growing, probably won't grow forever on earth. But, you know, economic opportunity isn't equally available to everyone. Um, And, you know, so like, at a certain point, you kind of need to, it's good to expand the pie of what's available. um, And hopefully, be able to offer new opportunities and new horizons to people that's kind of my view it's just like there's no reason not to because it offers more than just more space you know it's not just a playground for humanity's expansions like it offers real tangible benefits in my view um so that's kind of my viewpoint i don't know if you have any thoughts on what i just said before we step into kind of a swoop around on your original comment but yeah, no, I mean, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I think like the interesting thing is just because it just feels so, it feels like funny talk. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like it's just like, we're in like Candyland talking about, you know, building a life and economic opportunity on another planet. Like I can't even like wrap my mind around it. But it's also just like, again, you know, 50 years ago, if somebody would have ever brought this up, it would have been like, are you nuts? Like, you're crazy. And now we're talking in the realm of like, uh, maybe like, you know, and so like, I think it's, I agree with you. And I think just a crazy thing. It's like, it just feels weird to talk about like, and even try to imagine what it would look like to be like 
to like just travel from here to there and just like live there. Like, I can't even like begin to fathom like what that's like. But again, it's like the fact that if you were to ask me this 10 years ago versus now versus like in another 10 years, and my response would probably be more and more towards the probable. Like, I think that's the interesting part. And like, you can obviously diffuse that to any part of like innovation, but like this is like more than just the innovation of the typewriter. Like this is like reinventing life somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I guess like how probable do you think it is? Like, I mean, all the research is great. And like, obviously there's a lot of like gaps to, we can't do it until we have, you know, more affordable, reusable rockets and like ability to get there. But like, that's just like step one of a million. Like, do you see mm-hmm. it's something as long-term probable? And do you see it something as like, will we ever know people who go there in our lifetime? So first I'd like to say, you know, kind of bring up an interesting comment. You said like, if, if you had told someone 50 years ago, like, hey, we're going to go to Mars and colonize Mars or the moon. I actually think that 50 years ago, people would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Probably by like 1990 or so. Because if you think about 50 years ago was right when we were first landing on the moon. And it felt yeah, like we fair. were making these massive strides. And NASA had plans like the moon, then, you know, you know, kind of Mars was the next like hit on the list. And like there were they were thinking about that. Like that was the plan. And then of course, you know, that didn't happen. And now then now people are thinking about it again. So I think that's just interesting that it's kind of like people I think fifty years ago would have been like, Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't we by like two thousand be like on Mars and living on the moon like we'd landed on the moon, that's the next step. But um, you know, I digress. Uh in terms of like how possible I think it is, is I think we have the technology and we have the money, but I'm not quite sure if we have the will. And what I mean by that, and it, you know, it's a little bit dire, is that colonizing an, an unknown environment for any kind of a human group typically brings with it a decent amount of, like, I guess I just say like death. You know, and I think that humanity is relatively uncomfortable with that um, right now. Um, so, for example, I would assume that colonizing Mars would probably take at least thousands of deaths um, in like failures uh, colonizing Mars, like failures to provide resources because Mars is a really hard place to like provide. You know, get your own resources. Failures getting there. And I think that we will be very hesitant to do that. Um, you know, if you kind of can like reckon back to when's the kind of the last big migration or kind of settlement of a different area by a human group. And, you know, it's kind of on a massive scale. The last one was kind of the um, when the Europeans kind of settled North, North and South America. And there were like huge numbers uh, of people who died, you know, not you know, excluding the indigenous communities have suffered greater than the Europeans, but like Europeans themselves. Um, And I think we'd be very, we'd have a difficult time accepting, you know, travelers from Earth going to Mars, dying, and being able to, you know, watch that whole experience or see that whole experience because like that's the way it would be now. You know, you'd be able to see everything that's going on. Um, And so I think that, yeah, I think within like 20, 25 years, so long as like, 
in all reality, like SpaceX continues like their work um, and their passion uh, for that. Like if Elon can continues that single mind goal, um, not to put all, all everything on one man, but we will have the technology and the capability to do so. But again, I don't think that like the the planet as a whole will have the will, if that makes sense. That's interesting. And the, the tie into like exploring the new world, you know, of what was only 400 years ago, like I'm sure back then, I mean, to everyone talking to those who would explore would be like, are you nuts? Like there's nothing there. I mean, hell, like people mm-hmm. thought the world was flat. So it's like, yeah, it like, I don't know if like we're in that phase of like just complete disbelief because it's like, it's more real than it's ever been. Um, or more potentially sustainable than it's ever been. But that's an interesting note. Um, Cause it really hasn't been in our lifetimes ever any, inter- any innovation at the expense of like human, like, you know, when we created the printing press, when we created, like, I guess maybe people died in like the, you know, assembly lines early days or something. Cause like, you know, shitty technology and like cars fell on people. I don't know. But like <laughs> for the most part, innovation was just like leaps in computing and building and stuff that like, and I guess, you know, skyscrapers, people maybe fell and died. But like point is, is like most, I mean, comparatively, like there has been no innovations or leaps that has a mapping to like potential actually real death. So that's interesting. Yeah. I think you can kind of like, I guess like there have been in the entire history of space travel, there's been, you know, what is it? I think nine deaths, um, roughly like directly related to like space travel and in the United States and the Soviet union, um, which three and Apollo one, the Apollo one fire, which they weren't flying to space at the time. And then uh, I think the Soviets lost six. It might have only been four. Don't quote me on that. I'll put something in the show notes. But, like, there hasn't been much in, like, space travel. Like, we haven't lost many. Um, and so I think that we just have a difficult time accepting that, mainly because they're so, um, they're so like, it's it's right there. Like, if we were, people were going to Mars, they would be on the, on the news every single day. So it would be, like, a really important thing mm-hmm. for humanity. But, um one thing I, I wanted to talk about, you mentioned that, one, you know, the first person to get there, we'll just say Mars, uh, let's say SpaceX lands on Mars. What do you feel? Because this, this is kind of like a government policy question and an economic question. Who owns Mars? You know, because there are, there are treaties that say, like, no country has, you know, rights, uh, can, can, like, claim things in outer space. But, like reality is like that's not necessarily how things work who do you think should get to own mars or that asteroid with a bunch of you know expensive minerals and whatnot like what do you think is the 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 way that's going to play out that's fascinating i mean in short no idea like like yeah i the only like, and I keep tying it back to just like this whole blockchain movement and like the whole, cause it's just like, finally there's like an opportunity for people to just latch onto something and just take swings and just like stake their claim and like have an opportunity to just like make a lot of money. So it's like, you're seeing all these NFT projects, you're seeing all these like, and it's kind of just like, 
the first to get the biggest wave of support wins. And arguably, like we talked about last episode, like, I mean, 90% of all NFT projects in the year are probably going to be devalued. But like, the point is, is it's just like, it's this rush for like, who can get biggest, baddest, most fast. And so like, it's interesting because it's like, I would highly doubt that if this ever happened in the future, it's going to be a very like noble, well thought out, you know, plan before we land and begin. It's going to be very scrappy of who's able to start the first I don't know, grocery store. And if they're the fastest to expand and the fastest to get people in, like they're the ones like that times policy, that times social structures, that times whatever, like, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I think that that's a tough question. Like I kind of feel as though the way that space kind of technology has been progressing in the past few decades um it's kind of shifted to the private sector like i'll point out spacex a lot um they've been very successful um and they're now far more successful than any like government space institution in terms of like making reliable and reusable rockets and whatnot uh i feel as though and you know i'm not gonna don't want people to quote me on this, but I feel as though we'll end up in a situation similar similar to like the what happened during the colonial period, the European colonial period, where essentially large companies, semi-privately held companies, were given authority by governments to act as the arbiters of power in this new frontier. For example, there was the um, Dutch East India Company, which kind of essentially governed parts of India and other places um, in kind of the Indian Ocean, Indonesia, uh, to control the spice trade. Like they had like, they were essentially a government. They were the the largest company uh, in history uh, by like, when you ingest for inflation. And they were, they had like their own army. They had their own like, essentially government institution, um, but they were a privately held shareholder company. And I feel like it's going to be something similar where like SpaceX becomes the arbiter of law, like the government um, Mm. of parts of Mars or parts of space. Um, That is, you know, assuming we continue down a path that we're on and we're as kind to private institutions as we have been in the past. But um, I feel like that's the most like, we've done it before as humanity and I feel like we'd probably do something similar. It's easy for governments to do and they can also like not blame, they cannot take blame if something happens that's bad. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I feel kind of like a private, private institutions acting as governments, um, which are also like the transport kind of like giant monopoly space monopolies that are governments, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. But also that's coming from a very noble perspective of, SpaceX, a private company led by one guy, Elon Musk, stakes their claim in Mars and owns it. Yet, how much money does SpaceX receive from the United States government? I, like, isn't it in the billions of just like random grants, loans throughout the last decade more? So it 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 probably has been in the billions, yeah. So I wonder. There's no. I mean, like, I like. It's also not an unforeseen future to be like oh, SpaceX got there first, and all of a sudden, you get, you know, the United States being like, 
you know, piggybacking off the success of being like, you know, we're proud, honored, and thankful to have equipped SpaceX with billions of dollars to be able to do this, therefore quasi US, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, and it's also interesting because granted, Elon's the guy who's like, you know, piloting like Doge and shit, but like, it makes you wonder too, like, I mean, even, even from like the bare bones of getting up there, things like, so like if it is SpaceX, inherently a US based company, then inherently US social norms, inherently US social structures, inherently US dollar or whatever the fiat is at that right. It's like maybe like the explicit policy and like laws aren't mapped to the United States, but it's like it'll be interesting because if a if a company based in the US got there first, like you can't imagine the private company is going to rule. It's gonna be the government that funded that private company will likely want to step in. Well, yeah, I think like ultimately, like I agree, like the United States government now would be much less like, like, I guess like you have to go back. Like why, why did the Dutch government give, um, why did the Dutch government give authority to the Dutch East India company? Uh, it's because they didn't have the capability of ruling, you know, dealing with those areas. You know, the, the, the modern government has much more capability uh, due to modern technology of, like, actually administering government. And so maybe they wouldn't do that. And, uh, yeah, I feel like if SpaceX goes to Mars, NASA will definitely be a part of that. And, like, the, the U.S. government's not going to be, like, just sitting on the sidelines. They're going to be, like, like, we actually have a chance of, like, saying that America made it there first. They're going to slap American flags all over the the uh, starship space spacex starship and like mm -hmm. watch that like the stars and stripes land on mars make sure a flag is planted like i definitely feel yeah like the american government's probably not going to be willing to give up entirely to the private sector and again economic opportunity right like not only are they not going to want to give it up and slap american flags they're gonna do anything they can to offer more and more and more resources and more money to the to the effort so that when it gets to a point to where it reaches a critical threshold of like this is sustainable it can be like well you know the u.s we built 90 percent of this therefore if we take a little bit of a tax here like it kind of makes sense because we kind of made this thing happen so it's like the opera like the if it ever reaches that threshold of this thing could be real like i would imagine that public funding into this would just skyrocket because it's a it's a future investment on the ability to stake the claim of ownership. Mm -hmm. I mean, but arguably also they already are right. Cause I'm curious, maybe we can put that in the show notes, but like I thought I read somewhere, it was just like a ridiculous amount of money that over the last span of SpaceX has like basically bailed out, been bailed out by the U S government. Cause it's like tens of billions, not even not including the contracts. Like that's contracts is one thing. Business is one thing, but I mean like grants and loans and like money they don't have to pay back. Yeah, so I think that we'll have to put that in the comments. From my knowledge, most of the money they've received has been through contracts. Okay. Uh, it, I just actually recently finished a book on the early history of SpaceX. Uh, SpaceX nearly went bankrupt uh, right after they su first successfully launched a rocket, and then they received uh, a, a government contract, a government contract mm. for crew resupply, which was for it was for a lot of money, um, but it was also a contract to provide launches. It so. That's interesting. Okay. So it, the vehicle also, contracts. Yeah. It's also an interesting, yeah. there's an interesting line between what is government free money and what is government contracts. Uh, because 
the government frequently overpays on contracts. So like what's what's free money that the government receives? And there's also has been other like bailouts and and you know free money and loans that the government has given SpaceX because ultimately like at this point SpaceX is a um, defense critical company for the United States. Like having the capacity to reliably launch satellites um, and humans into space is like valuable to the government. And so they're probably willing to do whatever they can do to bail SpaceX out at this point. But uh, one, one other thing I want to talk about before we run out of time that I think is really interesting is, you know, something that a lot of times you might not think about when you think about kind of colonizing space. But um, Mars is not Earth from like a physical standpoint. It, and we're just use Mars. The moon would be the same or if you're just kind of in low Earth orbit. Mars has like one third of the gravity it has no atmosphere. Uh, you know, I guess it has a 1% of the atmosphere of Earth. Um, it has high solar radiation. And so if you just think about it, if you have one, two, three generations that are born and live on Mars, mm. they are not going to look like people from Earth. Absolutely. They're going to be almost in just a few generations, like a different human species, or at least a different human, quote-unquote, breed. Um, they would likely be significantly taller. They would, you know, have a lot of other differences in their, like, anatomy that would be adapting to, like, Mars. And so I find it interesting, like, to think about how does that affect our relationship to, quote-unquote, Martians, like from Earth, that in the span of a few generations, probably would very quickly start to lose their affiliation with the home planet because they'd just be so they'd likely be like so different on not like a physical and cultural level than like humans on Earth. That's interesting. That's super interesting. And like, because you're right. Like, I mean, I can't imagine a generation or two without gravity. I mean, like. Who was it that like lived up in the Hubble for like, or not Hubble, but the ISS for like a year and then like uh, John Kelly, right? Kelly. Was yeah. The and then just like had all these like health problems and like, just like the like complete breakdown of like his muscles and his body without the lack of, you know, gravity. Like I, yeah, I can't imagine in like a span of like a couple years living on Mars, granted a couple, you know, millennia of species that that's that's really interesting um your second part about like the conflict uh, potentially or just like the differences i don't know that's interesting i mean like obviously like country to country is different but like it's interesting because like at the end of the day like what happens in uh, name a country england like I headline read, I don't care. It does not affect me. Like, and maybe I'm going to hate myself in 20 years when there's a World War III and I'm going to look back and be like, damn it, like I should have cared more. But like a lot of stuff that happens outside the United States, like, I mean, it's a very like US and like American look at it. I'm just like, ah, like if it's not the US, who gives a shit? But like, I mean, it doesn't really affect who I am and like my day to day. So it makes you wonder at first, obviously there's going to be that change of like, it's a collection of people from different countries and like United States people to United States people and people from England to people from England up in Mars and whatever. But yeah, it's like, it makes you wonder like the same way that we talk about, oh yeah, my heritage is I'm half this and I'm half this. It's like, 
you get to a point to where I'm sure the first group of people that went from Europe to the United States was like, holy shit. And like trying to stay connected. And then like after a while, it's like stopped to like, you know, we lose connection and that's that. Like, I wonder if it would be similar, but at the end of the day, the needs of somebody who lives in Europe and the needs of somebody who lives in the United States are kind of similar because we're both human and we both have like the same basic constructs around the world versus like, yeah, when it's literally a different planet and we become physiologically different and we are on different planets with different needs and different desires. And especially if we morph into some different species, it's like, I wonder if the reason I don't care as much with big air quotes about us versus some random country is Cause like at the end of the day, we're all kind of the same, but like we're different. But like, if that's the same when we're talking about different planets, like, are we, like at what point is there the inflection of we're not the same? We're not like, and that's a, that's a problem. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it? I think it's kind of a sticky problem because it's like, it's like at what point would they quote unquote stop being human? And of course there's different definitions of human, especially in like, you know, anthropology, like they'd obviously be a member of like, uh, like the human, like family species group, but they wouldn't necessarily, they wouldn't be homo sapiens. Like at what point would they be like homo Martian or something like that, you know? (laughs) <laughs> and what does that mean? Because, like, humans, and when I say humans here, I'm, I'm referring to Homo sapiens, have not had, a, like, another human group that they've had to live alongside for, like, 50,000 years, 50 to 100,000 years, when we um, aided, and, aided and helped the Neanderthals in becoming extinct um, and the other human <laughs> groups that were not Homo sapiens but were humans. And I'm just interested in, like, I feel like that would create a lot of tension. Um, Like, obviously, we know, like, humans are great at classifying themselves into groups and, you know, disliking other groups. And so, like, how much stronger is that going to be when the other groups are, you know, in many ways, physiologically different uh, over the course of many generations? Um you know, what does that do to how we see them and how we see ourselves? Um, if there is a, a Martian state, an independent Mars, so to speak, does humanity <laughs> become closer? Or I guess, does Earth-based humanity become closer because we have a quote-unquote other big enough to unite the planet Earth? Um, I kind of think of this, this draws me back to uh, if you've ever seen or heard of The Expanse, uh, which is now owned by Amazon Prime, um, I'd recommend watching like season one and some of season two. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's about uh, like a few hundred years in the future, we've colonized Mars, we've colonized the the asteroid belt, um, we've and the moon, and so like Mars is independent. The Earth is it's like a united United Nations. Um, and then, like, the outer, the asteroid belt is, like, kind of another place. Um, but Mars is very militant, and they're, like, uh, Mars and Earth are kind of in a cold war. It's just an interesting, it's an interesting concept uh, until they make it huh. too sci-fi and have, like, aliens come. Um, but uh, I feel as though there's this possibility of either, you know, like, Earth-based humans becoming more united because there's something else that, like, we can we can make that other group, that quote unquote other, um, 
the Martians, quote, so to speak. Um, or it would make us very like ruthless against them in a similar way, I guess, unite us against them. Um, and I feel like we would have an easier time um, being cruel to them because they're not, quote unquote, the right type of human. Uh, and that's an, that's a problem we haven't had to deal with for a long time as as a species. So that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I have much to add to that other than I, I should watch an episode of that because I was just thinking in my head. I was like, man, what an amazing plot for a movie. But it's crazy because like, I mean, I, again, back to what I was saying, it's like, it feels like we're just talking in Candyland and like, it's far fetched, but like, I, like, I don't know, like if we achieve a world of, you know, getting to Mars, colonizing Mars, whether that be 50, 100, 200, whatever years, it's like, that's like, like, I don't know, like, it seems kind of likely that there's like a conflict of interest because you know, whoever is able to gain power up there and not that really us down here can influence what's happening up there. And like, yeah, the changing, like it just all, it all makes sense. Like if, like, it seems like a weird natural progression. Um, the same way I wonder if, you know, maybe this could be part of the history question at the end, but like if people predicted some, you know, world war back in said they 18, whatever, it's like there were wars obviously, but it's like things that just like, if the circumstances arise seem obvious, but then like when the circumstances actually arise, it's like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting question, you know, maybe like, uh, <laughs> in a hundred years, Luke jr. And Jared jr. Will have to, uh, have to, <laughs> you know, examine this podcast on, on yeah. their way to Mars. Uh, in, look in at like these, the ancient artifacts. That is this podcast, uh, feed being like, holy shit. Those are yeah, dads, which will be, dummies. which will be stored on the blockchain. Um, yes, of course. In the, in, in the Martian metaverse. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel like uh, we're kind of running up on time, though. I, I, I think like there's like a, a lot of different areas we could explore, um, especially like I have a lot I could talk about in terms of like what is, you know, how does like the differentiation of human species like affect like the way we see ourselves. But, you know, that could be like a whole nother episode. Uh but I feel like we could, you know, we could shuttle our way along to the to the to the ending segment, which uh, which you kind of alluded to, and that's uh, at the end of every segment, Luke will come up with some topic or person or time period or object or thing, um, preferably from history, and I'll buy, I'll do my darndest um, to provide <laughs> some bit of knowledge. That I might have on it. I'm a huge history buff, um, so, so he does like do that. his darndest. It's pretty impressive. He just like you can see his like brain computing while you ask him about any time, any date, any place, and he offers some mind-boggling facts. So today, on the theme of space, we're just gonna have to jump to tell me a little-known fact about like the Cold War. Like, I mean, arguably one of the greatest leaps of innovation for the time of space. So, like, what is what's a lesser-known event what's a lesser known conflict what's a lesser known person during the uh i say cold war but really i'm referring to kind of the the uh, mission to space rather space race yes this is a good question uh so like i mentioned last week i, I just finished a book on the soviet space program or the beginnings of the Soviet space program, um, which is very interesting. Um, I've also read multiple books on the U.S. space program. 
an interesting fact though. Um, so, let's see. This is tough. Because I, I, you know, I want to give something that's kind of interesting to everyone, even if they know a lot about it. Um, For the record, my bar is pretty low. <laughs> As listeners might know, I usually clam up during history episodes and just ask more questions and or digress because I have nothing to offer to the situation. Hell, like the like I, Jared is likely embarrassed by my lack of history knowledge being his friend, and so my bar is pretty low as far as like things that would be unexpected or things I wouldn't know is like pretty much anything that's not our like landing on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think I got something that's interesting. Um, so this is from the Russian space program. Um, there is, of course, everyone knows, and I know you're included, Luke, the first man in space. What was his name? Say it with me. One, two, three. Yuri Gagarin. Yes. He's tip my tongue. (laughs) Yuri Gagarin. He was, he was, uh, he was, I believe he was originally Ukrainian. He was uh, a Soviet, uh, cosmonaut, uh, Soviet astronauts are called cosmonauts um okay that's a fact right there (laughs) that's a fact right there uh anyway he was the first cosmonaut and the first person in space he was also the first person in orbit um something that's interesting that you may not know the soviet union um sent the first person in space directly into orbit um the americans first sent someone straight up and straight back down which is a lot easier it's a lot harder to put someone in orbit takes a lot more complicated or a lot more powerful rockets anyway um the soviets uh their plan was they launched uh from what is now the Bakken, um, Bekanor cosmodrome in kazakhstan uh which was part of the soviet union at the time kazakhstan is just right below russia on the map <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway uh they launched from kazakhstan and then they their plan was to land back in Russia uh, so that the Americans didn't like intercept the cosmonaut. Uh, One thing they were worried about uh, based on their dummy flights was that the local Russian population, the Soviet population might mistake the Russian cosmonaut who landed for an American spy uh, because not too long before this attempt to launch uh, the a man into space, Yuri Gagarin, which was in 1961. There, were, there was the U-2 incident uh, where uh, an American uh, spy plane, plane pilot was shot down uh, wearing something that looked a lot like the spacesuit. And so they realized this was like going to be an issue. They didn't necessarily plan for it. In the last like day, like the morning when they were getting Yuri Gagarin ready to fly, they painted... Um, cccp um on his helmet and i believe it was cccp and i don't want to have people wait for uh on the uh, edge of my seat yes i don't want people to wait uh for my show notes yes it was cccp which is the the russian acronym for the soviet union essentially um they painted it by hand on his helmet which is, if you ever look up a picture of Yuri Gagarin or you know any Russian cosmonaut after that, you see CCCP on their helmet, painted in red letters. 
And that was a like half-hearted attempt by the flight team to make sure that if like Russian peasants found Yuri Gagarin after he landed, that they wouldn't like kill him before they could get to him. Uh, like the, the like Russian wow. military could get to him. Um, and as it would happen, uh, Yuri Gagarin did <laughs> land in a field, like a, a, a pl- freshly plowed field outside of Moscow. And the first people he saw was uh, a Russian um, farmer woman and her child uh, in the field. Uh, and they, and he was, they were like, where did you come from? And he was like, space. So <laughs> that is, uh, that was an interesting. And they killed him. Soviet <laughs> and they, and they, <laughs> they did their darndest, but they couldn't get him. No, they, uh, they did not kill him. Um, but it was, it was just interesting that the, you know, the American, when they, uh, the first American in space was Alan Shepard. He shot straight up in a ballistic arc, didn't go into orbit, landed back down, rescued by a, picked up by a helicopter, landed on an aircraft carrier to great fanfare. Um, and then the Russian counterpart who went into orbit landed on a plowed field outside of Moscow um, and just kind of chilled. Uh, but that is a, wow. it's an interesting fact about the Soviet space program, which is a highly recommend learning about. It's very interesting, uh, very interesting yeah. space program. So. Well, as always, an incredible, an incredible fact and an incredible episode. Thank you for the for the topic. Um I'll be curious, like you said, for Luke Jr. and Jared Jr. to uh, listen to their listen to their maybe great, great, great grandfather's talk about you know this, and while they're sitting in their Martian home, who knows? Who knows? The, the Martian, the Martian rakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if Not you know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's uh, it's getting late, so probably should uh should get ready for bed. But uh, it was a, it was a great. It's a great conversation, Luke. Um, we will we'll attempt to, to make this uh, make this next week. Maybe we will taking baby steps towards towards well, regularity. It's, it's on the calendar, so if that's that's more than official, if you ask me. And I now that so we have too. again our, all those zeros of listeners clawing for more episodes, um, I think we have to deliver. We have to deliver. At least that's what I've been hearing from our um, feedback form that you can access on our site. Um, unpromptedpod.com i've been getting again zeros of submissions <laughs> to our feedback form which provides us great insights into the value that our episodes are providing or potential topic ideas we will shout you out we will give you a little segment who knows maybe we'll even feature you on the pod if you give us a future recommendation for the episode so check out the feedback form we'd love to hear your thoughts unpromptedpod.com yeah and yeah if you're listening thank you for listening <laughs> uh We'll uh, hopefully see you guys next week, but it was a good episode, so talk to you again soon, Luke. See you Thanks, later. Jared.